independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. Watching people fight, I'm talking politicians mostly, it gets a bit old. I've been saying for the last couple days, first of all, nothing good can come out of an emotional situation where everything's based on complete anger, upset, and emotion. People need to take a deep breath. And now's not the time. Politics, they don't care. Politics, it's politics. They like to be political. That's the whole game in politics, right? You know, and and so, you know, yesterday is a perfect example where, you know, Beto O'Rourke shows up at the press conference with the first responders, obviously Governor Abbott, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick was there, several other people inside of the community shows up and he hijacks the, the, the you know, just walks straight up to the press conference. They're all sitting at a table. You got a bunch of people behind. You have Greg Abbott sitting there. And if you guys don't know, Greg Abbott is is in a wheelchair, and uh, uh, you know, Dan, so there's a table, and you know, the microphones are all there, and he just you know shows up like right at the front of it and starts doing Beto stuff. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Get out of line. No. We need to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to this over. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Yeah. And I'm like, that's emotion. You're not you're not going to solve. Well, you know, he's grandstanding. He's eh, look, the attention is there. But the attention is going to be wasted because nobody's interested in doing anything. Because I continue to say over and over again, we're asking the, the wrong people to solve a problem. And we're asking the wrong questions to the people who are the wrong people. They're not going to give you any answer that's any different than anything before. They're not. The answers they're going to give you are disingenuous. The answers they're going to give you are whatever answers they think Twitter and everybody else wants to hear, their donors want to hear, etc., etc. you got to stop that. I'll be honest. I went home last night. I'm like, ah, I told my wife, I said... It gets hard. It gets really hard doing this when I have to talk about this stuff all day. Yesterday, I was probably on the air air between my national show, my other show, probably about 10 hours. It was exhausting. We rehashed this over and over again. You know, Sandy Hook. I was on the air during Sandy Hook. Well, I was on the air in the morning after it it started to happen, and we're starting to... And throughout the day, and by the time I'd gotten off the air, it had gone from there was an active shooter to there was several people injured to, and we continue to see these things. We continue to see the pain and the hurt. We continue to, what conversations? Are we having the wrong conversations with the wrong people? We're asking government to solve problems. Government doesn't solve problems. Government usually creates them and then takes advantage of them and then what? regulates them, 
all the crap that government does. They're not interested in solving problems. Their goal is keeping the problem alive as long as possible so they can benefit from it. So why would we ask those people to do anything? Because they make the laws. Yeah, they make the laws. The thing is, though, we as a country, we as individuals, we as parents, we as fathers, sons, daughters, wives, mothers, grandfathers, we as voters, they realize, okay, you know what? They, they don't want to play around with this stuff anymore. So we, we better come up with something. They, we, we can't have this anymore. So where is that? Where is that coming together and having a conversation with people about how we go about doing this? Because if we tell them and take them something that says, you do this, and they say, well, I don't, you do this or we'll find people that do, meaning if you don't, we'll find people that will and we'll tell them they get your job. You find out how much people go, oh, you're, you're talking about firing me. Yes, firing you. Uh, well, I'm sober-minded about our chances of getting 60 votes in the Senate. I can tell you that today we made progress. I spent all day talking to every single Republican, every single Democrat uh, that was willing to enter into a discussion about how we change our gun laws, about how we make our schools and our communities safer. And my hope is that over the course of this weekend, and we're going to have a group of Republicans and Democrats in the Senate talking about how we can find common ground. And there's common ground. I do not know. Look, I have friends who are on the left side of the aisle, love guns, want nothing to do with getting rid of the Second Amendment. I have friends on the right side of the aisle, not a fan of guns, also don't want to get rid of the Second Amendment, but doesn't, they don't think everybody in the world needs an AR-15. There's common ground. Here's the first common ground. The first common ground. Nobody wants to see innocent people shot up. Nobody wants to see somebody walk into school and kill a bunch of kids. We all have that. There's a place to start from. Is it mental illness? Yes. We have a mental illness problem in this country. Why is it? I grew up at a time when there was bullies. Now, bullying, again, is different. We've all talked about the fact that bullying doesn't end at 3 o'clock when the school bell rings and start the next morning or on Monday. It can be 24-7. But we've got a mental illness problem. I grew up around guns. Many of my friends grew up around guns. You go back in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s. A good portion of this country. Kids would drive their school, drive to school, and they'd have guns in their cars. They're trucks. What are you talking about? Well, in, in, if you're living in a big city like L.A. or something like that, no, no. But the other portion, the flyover country, absolutely. I mean, has anybody seen Red Dawn? That's kind of what it was like, not the whole attacking and stuff. Nobody flipped out and shot a bunch of people. Mental illness is real. The way we cope with things is real. There's a study that was done, and I found this, you know, once again, I'm going to read you something, and we could put one and one together and talk about it, or we can continue to say, eh, don't worry about it. Uh, we'll figure something out later. It's not. 
35 shooters, so uh, very well-minded. Mental health news. Did a deep dive from two, what is it, 82, that's 1982, to 2020. 35 mass shooters. 18 had schizophrenia, 10 bipolar delusional disorders, personality disorders, and substance-related disorders. Oh, what do we see here? Mental illness. Why is that? What what has snapped in us in the last 25, 30 years where kids feel the need to do these things? Young men in particular feel the need to do these things. What has snapped in us as human beings? What has changed? We all agree we don't want to see these things anymore. We all agree that hopes and prayers and everybody's, oh, hopes and prayers, we need action. Taking away a law-abiding citizen's gun is not the answer. Because we act as if we take away the gun, that somehow it solves a problem. It doesn't. It's a useful tool for some to do horrible things, but it doesn't fix the fact that there are still horrible people out there, and horrible people will find a way to do horrible things, and all you've done is penalize somebody. So... What now? Let's start asking different questions if we want different answers or continue to do the same thing. We'll call that insanity, which is interesting that we're talking about it, considering 28 of the last 35 shooters had some form of mental illness. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Love hearing from every single one of you. A lot of stuff to get to. A lot of... The usual baloney when it comes to things like this, as far as just the arguments, the fights, the grandstanding. You know, the NRA. It's all their fault. Oh, did you see they're not going to allow people to have guns at the NRA convention? How funny is that? No, it's only when Trump is there. Because he's the former president and the Secret Service asked for that. Yeah, but still. No, it's the Secret Service. By the way, that'd be that way anywhere. If you if if Trump or Obama or Bush go somewhere, no matter where it is, they're going to make sure there's no guns around. Makes their job easier. 323-538-2423 at Chad Benson Show. Should Twitter tweet at us, text the program. And it's interesting to see with abortion and what's going on with guns in this country, which are two fights. Right, that are separate, but it's really not. It's one fight, separate topics, but in so many ways, the exact same arguments are being made. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Presidential election project, very fascinating. We're working with them for for a bit, and it's just interesting. You know, we saw what happened with Mike Pence, right? We saw, you know, everybody's counting on Mike Pence to do something. And the whole rules outline the Electoral College Act uh, uh, 1887, it's a long time ago, it is. A little too vague, antiquated, right? Just not really lined in, in, you know, point A, point B, point C. This is what your role is. This is what they're doing. They want to make sure that no vice president can unilaterally say, hey, we're taking over. I'm doing this. You can't stop me. That's what they're doing. They're working to reform this. 
So there is no more wishy-washiness. There is no more people hoping something happens. There is no more talk about this, that the vice president's role is completely defined, clearly defined, right? Because we don't want states being overruled. We don't even want the fear of any of that stuff. Let's just take it away and outline it simple and easy. Find out the work they're doing by going to presidentialelectionproject.com. Learn more. Take the first step in ensuring Kamala Harris, right, vice president, next vice president, Mike Pence, anybody can't unilaterally decide an election. Presidentialelection.com. I'm presidentialelectionproject.com. Presidentialelectionproject.com. Check it out today. They're doing good work. Chad Benson Show. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh-uh. Oh, my goodness. No. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Mm, boy. That is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. It's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. We need some really drastic action here. Um, We need a moratorium, perhaps, on gun sales. Who will say on this network or any other network in the next few days, it's time to repeal the Second Amendment? Hmm. Oh, you can't say that. Well, why not? Why not? No, you could say it. Go ahead. Go ahead and say it. Knock yourself out. Heard a buddy of mine making this argument. And he's right. Like, say it. Say it. People on the right who and left who, who why do you have a gun? You're not a hunting. <laughs> I'm not hunting. Some people hunt, right? But I have guns. I'm not hunting. Why? Because I pass 5,000 food stores on the way home. I don't need to hunt. I don't. Do not need to hunt. What's your gun for? Protection. That's it. Protection. Nothing else. Something was to come into my house. Some Somebody was to come. And I'm a little bit more rural than, you know. So for us, coyotes, bobcats, uh, weirdos. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, but I'm... No, who has a gun for, I mean, there are people out there that have guns for hunting. Absolutely. And there are people out there that want people to have guns. Now, Michael Moore there, he's an idiot. The number one thing you're protecting yourself from isn't the intruder. And you're not hunting. good portion of that second amendment was like hey you know what let's put something in there just in case uh people of the future that 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 are running this place get a little bit over their skis and decide you know what let's control everything that's that's why and if you think the thing like what you saw the other day was awful which it is You think Waco was bad as far as the amount of people that died 
Could you imagine trying to take everybody's guns away? How does that look? Just curious about it. Curious. You know, yesterday was the second what, second anniversary of, of George Floyd's death. And did you see how many people bought guns during the lockdown or during George Floyd's, the, the, all the unrest? California led the way. California. Is it because everybody was hunting? No. So the thought process of let's repeal the Second Amendment is is silly. But at least he said it, so you know where he stands. There you go. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter. We should return to that in a little bit. But coming up next... Uh, very interesting. Alan uh, Alex Epstein has written a book about fossil fuels. It's called Fossil Future, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, Natural Gas, Not Less. What? But we're all going to disappear. Talk about that straight ahead, Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Here's a little gift-giving wisdom from my pals over at Omaha Steaks. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. Everybody's talking about gas. Oil. Some people are saying this is the perfect time for us to go completely green. All the while starving as we do it. Joining us now, Alex Epstein. uh, has got a great book out. Fossil Future. Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. Alex, thanks for uh, joining the program. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, your book is fascinating. Uh, I've always said, uh, look, I always hear people freak out about, you know, oh, the world's going to come to an end. It's got five days, 10 days, whatever, it, the baloney that we hear from people. But your book points out, like, you use data and facts. I know it's crazy, Alex, but why would you do that? Because it's not about selling data and facts. That You know that. Well, it's interesting, you know, sometimes people use data and facts, but it's very misleading. So they'll say something like, oh, my gosh, the Earth is one degree warmer than it was 150 years ago. And that's terrible. And yet, why is that necessarily terrible? Um, One. And then what about the fact that we're living far longer, healthier lives? And what about the fact that we're actually safer from climate than ever? That's a that's an empirical fact. We're actually 50 times less likely to die from a climate related disaster than we were 100 years ago. But people don't know that because the institutions we trust don't at all give us the full context. They give us a very distorted context of facts to put forward a certain narrative. You know, the the, the green movement, we all want cleaner water, cleaner air. I mean, if anybody doesn't want cleaner water and cleaner air, my God, what's wrong with you people? But the reality is, is, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I'm 51 years old, God, God. When I was a kid growing up, Alex, yeah, there was the Great Ice Age was coming. And people, uh, a little bit warmer is not bad. Uh, more, The cold kills more people than the heat does. People don't understand that. 
Yeah, one of the, the points I make, uh, so my background is philosophy, and I'm really interested in environmental philosophy, and particularly pro-human versus anti-human environmental philosophy. And I think that the root of the green movement is an anti-human environmental philosophy that says that all of our impact is morally bad, and it's inevitably self-destructive. And I think that's why you have this assumption that if we have any impact on climate, it's going to be disaster. So first, they think it's going to get really cold, and that's bad, and then it's going to get warmer, and that's bad. So the idea is no matter what we do, if we do it, it's bad, whatever direction it is. Yeah, it is uh, so true. Fossil Future uh, is uh, written by Alex Epstein. He joins it. To why global human flourishing requires more coal, uh, oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. And, you know, you talk about it, and, and it's very interesting as I was reading it and, and going through uh, making some of the notes, like solar, right? This this dream of solar, but it it's... It's a dream and how we produce it, how we make it, all of these things. People, you talk about the moral side of it, which I think is true, because I think a lot of people want to drive around in their their zero emission cars, not realizing that it costs a lot of emissions to get the damn car to build. Yeah, I think it's really uh, we can call it a dream, but it's really a farce in terms of what it's what's being advocated, because what's being advocated is we can rapidly replace fossil fuels in the next 27 and a half years by 2050, despite the fact that they're 80% of the world's energy, energy is crucial, and the world desperately needs more energy, as evidenced by the fact that 3 billion people are using less electricity than a typical refrigerator of ours. So just, and then, and then you think somehow the 3% is going to replace the 80%, not just for everyone today, but for many more people uh, tomorrow. It's just totally implausible. And then you look, solar is actually a parasite unreliable sources of energy like fossil fuels because it's fundamentally unreliable. And and what you also see is solar involves huge amounts of mining and development that the green movement is against and oppose in practice. So that's why I call it a farce. It's not a serious enthusiasm for a new energy technology, then you'd advocate a free market. It's just an excuse to get rid of fossil fuels, uh, which is an excuse for sort of having a broader hostility toward all human impact on the planet. Talking to uh, Alex Epstein's book's amazing called Fossil Future, Why Global Human, uh, Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. It's also very political, and we see that. And, uh, you know, we've got the horrific shooting that took place in Texas the other day. Uh, the chance for politics to get involved jumps straight in. And and let's be real, you, you know, like you said, you study the whole thing about the philosophy of, of you know, the green energy and climate change. And there is, uh, you know, there's keywords that people use. There's certain phrases in ways that people go about saying things about climate. You know, it was global warming when I was younger. Now it's climate change because climate can go both ways. And politics has gotten involved in this in a major way. And there's money around. Yeah, there's it's, it's kind of sad how when things happen, people just always use them to reinforce their existing understanding. And I think we should really try to avoid doing that. I think one, one example that fossil futures should elucidate for people is where we have an energy crisis, which you mentioned that at the outset with at least rising uh, gasoline prices, but you know, it's much worse in Europe, you know, skyrocketing, skyrocketing coal and natural gas prices around the world, food shortages uh, people are talking about. And we really need to ask what is causing this and I think it's very, very clearly true that we artificially restricted the supply of fossil fuels because there's no physical limitation. We have tons of the stuff in the earth. There's no knowledge limitation. We're really, really good at extracting it and using it and transporting it. But there's been this movement for the last 15 years, at least, that said no investment, no production, 
no transportation. Let's stop that as much as possible. And so now we can't keep up with demand. This is totally a crisis that was preventable. John Kerry was just at the World Economic Forum saying there is a man-made crisis. He thinks it's a climate crisis. There's no climate crisis. There's an energy crisis made by men like him. Yeah, which is eh, it is fascinating, right? Like the the. I watch people like him, and everything is about this. They, they've, you know, whether it's Al Gore or him or Greta Thunberg, and people run out. And you talk about that moral side of it, and I want to get a little deeper into that because, is it, it we want to feel good like we're doing something? Because when you go and look at all of the polls, Alex, a lot of people will say, "Oh, I want the climate to be cleaner. I want this, that, and the other." But the reality is, is there so many people who say that. It's virtue signaling. They're not doing anything to better the climate. They just morally want to feel like they're doing something. I think the root problem is that we just have the wrong conception of morality when it comes to our relationship with our environment. Uh, we have this idea that our goal should be to eliminate our impact on Earth. And that's that the view that impact is bad and self-destructive, that's, that's wrong on both counts. Impacting Earth is a necessity of human survival and what I call human flourishing, human beings living to their highest potential. So we should embrace human impact. It's great for us to impact the world. We just want to do so in, a, in, a, in an intelligent way where the benefits far outweigh the negative side effects. And I think what happens in practice is people say, yeah, I don't want to impact the climate, but they actually want to live and be happy, which they should. So they end up using fossil fuels because fossil fuels don't have a near-term replacement and fossil fuels are crucial because they power all the machines that improve our lives. So I think the key is is switch our whole morality around our relationship with our environment. Yeah, yeah. Talking to uh, Alex Epstein, fossil future, why global human flourishing requires more oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. Uh, what about nuclear? You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of nuclear because I look around, I'm like, that's pretty damn clean, and I think we know how to do it better than Three Mile Island now. But everybody has got it in their mind, because I always think it's about first mover advantage. If you can get enough people to believe how evil something is by telling them, knowing they're not going to look up anything and chase it down, you can get them to bite on something rather easily. I think nuclear is an amazing technology. I, I think I give a lot of the key facts everyone needs to know in Fossil Future. Because fossil Future is all about making the world a better place for human beings through more energy use. And fossil fuels just happen to be the most important way to do that in the you know not, not too distant future, in the next several decades. But nuclear has amazing potential. It's a naturally stored source of energy. It's like a natural battery. It's naturally concentrated. It's naturally abundant. We were able to harness it at low cost reliably in the 70s. And then the green movement, once again, is the villain. They basically criminalize it to the point where you cannot build it cheaply today in the United States. And often you, ha you can have a 16-year project that gets canceled on a bureaucrat's whim or an activist's activism. So we need fundamental reform. I talk about this in Chapter 10. I give what's called like an energy freedom uh, platform. And part of it is here's how you decriminalize nuclear. And there's a lot of pseudoscience that the government is practicing that needs to be uh, gotten rid of. Talk about uh, protecting the freedom to compete. That's one of the things that, that you know, because I'm all about competition. And like you said, I think we're, we're all here on Earth. We're all sharing it. Let's make everything better. Let's make everything cheaper. Let's compete. We've got these, you know, we've got all these brilliant minds out there that can come up with amazing things that, quote, unquote, don't have to uh, destroy the Earth. Uh, and compete competition is a huge deal and you've got monopolies already and they play with the federal government government plays with them it's frustrating 
Right now, we have a real suppression of competition in many, many ways. I mean, one is just suppressing fossil fuels. I mentioned the criminalization of nuclear. And then with solar and wind, we have a really tragic and and sort of urgent to change uh, imposition or um, rather uh, impeding of the freedom of competition, which is that we totally prefer unreliable sources of energy, namely solar and wind, over reliable sources of energy, specifically reliable sources of electricity. So you look at uh, we give subsidies to solar and wind, and we we mandate them in many places. And the thing people are least aware of is just the basic policy of grids today is you pay the same for unreliable electricity for solar and wind as you do for reliable electricity. So that just creates this terrible incentive where people will buy more and more unreliable electricity, and yet the broader system decays. And that's why we're having regulators talk about widespread blackouts around the U.S. this summer because we're totally unprepared because we've been giving all of these ridiculous incentives and preferences to unreliable electricity over reliable. So I'm all for solar and wind competing, but my basic view is they need to find a way to compete where they offer reliable electricity. So if that's a battery backup, that would be one option. It's totally impossible today. Another thing is that solar could combine with, say, natural gas plants and deliver, you know, be a black box that delivers reliable electricity. But allowing these guys to sell unreliable electricity with no payment and, in fact, subsidizing it is a disaster that we're already starting to see. Yeah, and subsidies, you know, I mean, I hear it all the time. I get people tweeting at me, oh, you're for big oil and subsidies. These people are taking all this money and these subsidies. And and I look around and I'm like, do you not know that, first of all, government's all about handing out stuff? And secondly... Green gets a tons of subsidies as well, and in many cases gets straight out cash. Yeah, it, it gets it gets much more. I mean, one one thing I try to do in fossil future, I mean, I think I do do, is just cover every issue. I mean, there are literally hundreds of myths like this, and so part the main thing in the book is to try to think about it in a better way and try to think about it from a pro-human perspective. Try to look at all the facts. Uh, and but part of this is there are literally hundreds of myths that need to be refuted. And so subsidies is one of them that I cover. There's also a really useful website I created that's free called energytalkingpoints.com. And you can search for any topic. So just search subsidies and you'll see solar and wind get many times more subsidies than fossil fuels. It's just a total distortion that we're told. Last question. I appreciate you coming on. The book's awesome. Fossil Future, uh, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. Alex Epstein's joining the program. The people on the green side of the aisle, if you will, uh, what are they saying to you? Are, they, are, are some of them going, wow, I didn't know any of this stuff? Or are you getting a lot of pushback? <laughs> I'm expecting there's a lot of people out there pushing back. Some because, again, the moral side, and others because they got money involved. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Washington Post got a copy of my book a yes. month or two ago, and their response was to try to cancel me as a racist. Yeah, uh, I know. The Washington I, Post uh, can kiss it. <laughs> well, but it's, that's the kind of reaction. I think the reaction is now fear that these arguments are so persuasive to people. And there are just a lot of people who troll me. If you go to my Twitter, at Alex Epstein, you'll see like a little group of trolls, and it's probably going to grow, who's just saying, you're against science. You don't believe in, you know, you're wrong. Uh, here's here's a refutation of you. That's just five minutes of some random person not even who hasn't even read your book. So it's pretty pitiful, the lack of engagement. Um, I am, but it's really hard to, to argue with me because if you really look at this thing from a pro-human perspective, if you look at not just the side effects of fossil fuels, but also the benefits, fossil fuels are great. And just, I appreciate you recommending the book. And I just say to listeners, there are a whole bunch of bonuses this week if you order it. So if you just send your receipt to Fossil Future, 
at alexepstein.com. You'll get a bunch of stuff, including a live event called How to Talk to Anyone About Climate Change, which I think people will find really useful for their many conversations about this issue. Ooh, man, I want to check that out, too. I love it. The book is we'll, amazing. We'll uh, it get it anywhere books are sold, if the Washington Post will allow that, because they think you're racist because, well, they're the Washington Post and they suck. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Appreciate that. Fossil future, why global human flourishing requires more oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. Alex Epstein, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. I look forward to talking to you again. At Chad Benson Show, Twitter, C-H-A-D-P-E-N-S-O-N. Yeah, the Washington Post tried to cancel him. I'm like, oh, let's get that guy on. <laughs> I want to hear about it. He's got it, – the book is fascinating. You guys got to check it out. If you want to talk about it, and it's got actual facts, figures, even reports from the IPCC. Oh, my God. Omaha Steaks, baby. Want to talk about something amazing? We're just talking about the cost of everything rising. You know what Omaha Steaks is doing for Dad and for you? They're dropping stuff. $99. The dads want steaks. Package. Now, I'm a dad. You know what I had last night? We did have some burgers left. I had the last of our burgers, and it was delicious. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. So what do you get with this? Well, you're going to get bacon-wrapped fillets, gourmet jumbo franks, air-chilled boneless chicken breast, and the sweet finish, which is caramel apple tartlets. But, Chad, you had burgers. That's right. Eight free burgers to throw in, all for $99. My burgers, delicious. You know what's great about these? First of all, they're big, they're juicy. When you cook them, they don't shrink. Because, you know, you go like, I'll take two of those. You, you, then you cook two of them. You're like, I can't eat the second one. I'm taking it to work with me. So right now, Dad's Want Steak Packets, $99, 100% money-back guarantee. This is what you do. Go to omasteaks.com, type Benson in the search bar, and you get your Dad's Want Steak Package. And if you're lucky, Dad will make some memories and barbecue with you. That's Dad's Want Steak Package. Right now, $99. Go to omasteaks.com. Type in Benson in the search bar. omasteaks.com. Type in Benson. Dad's Want Steak Package. Get it today. Chad Benson Show. You stink like fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? <laughs> Ruben! What? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it. Some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is going to be the first workout for Colin Kaepernick and an NFL team since he was exiled from the NFL after kneeling to protest racial injustice. Now, he did visit the Seattle Seahawks five years ago, but there have been no visits. There have been no workouts. And at some point this week, the Raiders are planning to work out Colin Kaepernick, who's been training in Las Vegas. We'll see how that goes. That's right. Cap's back. He's going to get a chance. Going to get a chance to try out his... Uh... God, how long has he been out of the NFL? It's like seven years? Ah. It's been a while. It has been a while, but he has a chance now to audition. Now, I don't know, you know, it's a long time to be away. Even if he left on his own accord, which he did, by the way, he opted out of his contract. Now, he thought he was going to get another contract, but even if he decided to hang it up and then come out of retirement, it's a long time to be away from the game. 
So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Would I be surprised? Well, if there's one organization that would say, yeah, it would be the Raiders. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. It's the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. Politics. Is it a gun thing or a mental illness thing? A gun is a tool, no different than anything else. I think we can all agree people who are not well or want to kill a bunch of people should not have firearms. Am I wrong? And this is the battle that is going to go on in the coming days, weeks, and months. Will anything get done? No. And I'll tell you why. First of all, the people that we're asking to solve this problem are not problem solvers. They are not people who seek solutions. They find the profit in the solution. They find the power in the solution. But they're not really interested in a solution. Because to them, a solution means... It's over. It is. See, they look at every problem like it's a golden goose. The business world, right? Private sector, public sector. The business world, private sector. How do you get rich? You find problems that are out there. You find a solution to the problem. And you go from there. In the public sector, you find the problem. You never find any solution, but you make sure that the only way you may come to a position of finding a solution is by continually putting them in charge. So they're going to vote on a bill, maybe, maybe not. They're going to talk about passing legislation, maybe, maybe not. How many of these things? Let's go over this. Immigration. Do we have any solutions for that? No. How many presidents have we gone through where they've had opportunities to come up with meaningful legislation and both during their presidency, they've had both the entire legislative body under their control and then they've had the other group under control of the House and the Senate on numerous occasions. And then it switches back and forth. The talk is great. Nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. This weekend, the NRA is actually getting together. They didn't plan this like the day after the shooting. We better meet. This was something already on the books, and it's going to be in, uh, I think it's going to be in Houston, and already there is going to be uh, uh, an outcry of, my God, uh, get these people out of here, get these people away. They're the cause. They're not the cause of the problem. I have yet to meet 
somebody who works for the NRA, somebody who is an NRA member who walks around going, man, I'm glad that guy went and shot up a bunch of kids because I love talking. No, no. They're as horrified as you or I. Most NRA members, maybe you're one, maybe your neighbor's one, and you don't even know it because they're not out to do anything that is evil or untoward. No, they're just regular people who believe in the Second Amendment and the freedom to protect themselves. That's it. That's it. But it is going to be a weekend of mass protest. So uh, Ted Cruz is going to be there. Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, is going to be there. And Donald Trump is going to be there. That's why people say, well, why aren't they allowed to carry guns in there? Because Donald Trump's there. Any president, former, anywhere, you're not going to be able to carry guns around them. It's kind of the way it works. Black Lives Matter is going to show up. You've got tons of other organizations that are going to show up. And if I'm the NRA, and if I'm a, 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 a group that is interested in moving forward and actually trying to find a solution to gun reform, stop saying control, that doesn't work. Stop saying gun control, right? Say gun reform goes a lot better. How do you talk to them and say, look, guys, what can we, and gals, and non-binary, what can we do to do all we can to prevent these things from happening again as best as we can? It's not going to be perfect. You know it. I know it. But how can we move forward in such a way where we can start looking at these things in a much different way and tackle the issue together rather than fighting each other. Because everybody agrees, whether you're there for the NRA or you're protesting outside, what took place was horrific. It was evil. It was a nightmare. If your answer is, let's go and have politicians fix it, they're not going to. They've got no design to fix it. Because fixing the problem would be what? Would be killing the golden goose that lays the eggs. As many people, because they're huge, let's be real. What do they give? God knows how much money they actually give, lobby-wise. Tons of it. Apparently, uh, $5 million was last year's NRA spending, $5 million. And there's anti-gun lobbies out there that spend a ton of money. And you put them all together, I bet you'd be surprised how big that is. Just like there's lobbyists for pharmaceutical companies and green energy and the fossil fuel. Marijuana's got their lobbying right now. And, I mean, you name it, somebody's lobbying somebody. So they're not the people that want to get stuff done. The people that will get stuff done are the cool, calm, take a deep breath, how do I find a solution people that start to ask real questions. They find common ground and say, how do we fix this as best that we can? Yes, like you, 
I want to limit access to crazy people and evil people to guns, knowing full well it's not going to be perfect. And then the other person who is anti-gun for whatever reason, maybe they've never even shot a gun, but they look at it and say, this is all about death and destruction. You say, look, I don't want to take your guns away, but I want to find a way to stop this stuff from happening as well. How do we go about doing it? You start there, you watch the answers you get of different. Then you take it to the politicians and say, oh my God, look at us. Look at us. We're the voters. We're your customers. You are going to start to fix this, and these are the things we're looking at. You better get it done, because if not, we will get people that will get it done. And I understand the fear. You know, abortion, right? We've talked about this. It's going to be a big thing for some people coming up in the the election. The argument for abortion and guns is virtually identical. It's just a different topic. Control. If we give an inch, they'll take a yard. You start, you know, you start checking things off. It all is the exact same thing in many ways. And there's a certain sense of reality. I mean, look at Oklahoma yesterday. They're banning everything. You know, this is the, this is the most stringent, uh, you know, abortion law that was passed. Boom, right there. When Roe v. Wade goes into effect. So we need to start asking different questions and we need to get people who are solution-based that are not beholden to politicians but can work with them and have them start finding solutions. Is it, oh, but what about universal, you know, background checks and, and, and you know, you could start, the, people are going to start, hey, NRA, hey, people out there, you might have to start giving into some of these things. And nothing wrong with because uh, and most people I know in the I got I got a guy who works here who's a he couldn't be more right I I, I he couldn't be more right as you could I can't even think about it. like he is he and he lives for Donald Trump and he says to me yesterday and he's got guns he's like no way do I think that thing should be on the street. No way do I think that people should be able to grab that gun, buy it, and get on the street. Because I don't want to go. But my fear is, is if we give an inch, they'll take as much as possible. They'll come back the next time something happens and says, well, we got to go do this. And I said, that's the fear. That's the fear. Right? Is if you do give an inch, they go, mm, we're going to need a little bit more than that. You can't have that. You can't. And there's the problem, because we don't trust each other. Because the reality is, is, yeah, if you do take an inch, yeah, 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 we'll give, they're going to take a yard. So everybody stands their ground, because nobody's in, interested in solutions. And on the other side of it, not a lot of people can be trusted anymore. If we stop listening to the extremes, we'll get solutions. We'll fix some of these problems. If we continue to listen to the extremes, continue to ask the same questions to the same people and expect a different answer, we're going to get the same thing over and over again. And it's not insanity, unfortunately, it's death. 
323-538-2423. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. Little what's trending coming up. Eden Pure. Oh, you don't want the stink in your house. You got kids, you know, that stink is real. Kids, it's a problem. It is a problem. Kids are smelly. Cats are smelly. Dogs can be smelly. My lizards can be smelly. Some of you, you smoke. Eh, you can be smelly too. Eden Pure Air Purifier, amazing. It's the OxyLeaf 2 thunderstorm. <laughs> Gives it a little hint of like being in a thunderstorm, right? The air is fresh. It's beautiful. But within minutes, you will smell the difference. Incredible. Well over 150,000 units have been sold. No need to buy filters. Plug it straight into the wall and let it go. Let it go. You watch what happens. Within moments. Ah, fresh. Right now, go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3. You save $200. And you're going to get three of them. So you can put them anywhere in the house. Takes care of the entire house. They're incredible. Make great gifts for Father's Day. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3. Remember, no filters to buy ever. Simple, easy. Plug it in the wall and go. EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3 to save $200. Shipping is free. Chad Benson Show. I usually don't get into politics. As an ordinary suburban housewife, I feel a little disrespected. I teach my children not to name calls. You are a Oh, man. Um, guys, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? Chad Benson. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Liftoff. Now it's time to find out what's trending. What's trending? Yeah, what does that mean? I mean something, right? Like it's trending on the old internet. What's trending? Let's find out what's trending on the web of Enter. Let's see here. Biggest things. Let's go to Google. Right? Celtics win last night. Josh Duggar. Duggar? Duggar? I don't know. He's got 12 and a half years uh, for child porn. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Kate Moss. She testified yesterday at the Johnny Depp trial. I was uh, pulling some some audio off YouTube yesterday. And uh, (laughs) they have like, you know... uh, things that you can you know all the things like hey we suggest this this and this and what's live and i looked in the johnny depp trial there was 1.2 million people watching it live i thought what winnie the pooh blood and honey it is a horror Nightmare reimagining of the beloved bear. It's an indie title, and it's currently in production, which is kind of hilarious. Because we were joking about it the other day, my uncle and I, about uh, you know Winnie the Pooh and and you know making him a little bit different, a little bit you know being honest with everybody. You know, Tigger's on meth. <laughs> Eeyore's pissed because he. Got a nail in his ass and no one will help him. Chad, I don't think that's right. Head over to the magical world of Twitter. Top Gun Maverick. 
trending everywhere. You know, this could be, this is very interesting. This could be Tom Cruise's first ever $100 million opening. That's nuts. Yeah, this could be his first $100 million opening for any movie he's ever done. He's never had $100 million. He's got close. Now, his, you know, he's, he's had movies that made close to a billion dollars, but globally, he's massive. But as far as $100 million opening, the Maverick Top Gun is supposed to be... Uh, it's supposed to be at gas prices continuing to rise. We've got the Memorial Day travel, which is getting uglier and uglier when you think about it. And I just continue <sighs> mapping out. Can I get to California and then back to Arizona without having to fill up? Hmm. Interesting. And uh, just after Texas shooting, California Senate passed gun control bill modeled after the Texas abortion law. We'll get a little deeper into that. And how that's going to work. Because, you know, that's, again, but that, there's the beauty of states' rights right there. The difference is, and people will tell you this, and is here's the reality of it. It's in the Constitution. It's in the Constitution. So think about that. People try to say, well, abortion's in abortion's not in the Constitution. Oh, yeah, well, it's not. But there are questions that need to be asked. And states' rights is a big issue. It's why state states matter when it comes to elections. Chad Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. Yeah, it's funny. Yesterday, I got uh, I got uh, people who are mad at me. I know it's a shock. I always feel if I'm doing if people aren't mad at you, you're 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 not doing your job in this business. You should have people questioning. You should have people mad at you. Now, now, granted. And there's a difference because there's people that want to have conversations. There's other people who are just trolls. You know, last hour, and if you missed any of it, grab uh, the podcast. We had uh, Fossil Future, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, author on uh, Alex Epstein. And yeah, they, people were coming after him because he believes the Western culture is the superior culture, uh, you know. And uh, it was hilarious, you know, like the everybody came after him. This totally came after him. It's like, oh my God, you know, it's just, you're a racist and stuff, you know, and you just start laughing. 
because some people are all about they're angry and they're they're trying to make a point and they don't really have any arguments so it's just easier to 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 come after you and yesterday cuz i said like if your if your goal is to you're suicidal but you are pissed at the world and you want to take a bunch of people with you and then commit suicide and or die kill yourself first and see how that goes and if that doesn't work out then we'll 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 talk about the other one people are like you're for teenage suicide I'm like no no listen to yourself what i'm saying is some people they want to kill a bunch of people i could turn around and say yes i'm for teenage suicide just like you're for kids getting slaughtered well what wait wait what 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 why how'd you get that because I'm making a point. Why is it that people are so pissed off and angry, get to go, cause all the pain they want because the world has caused damn pain? And because of that, you can't ask a question, dude, why, why don't you just, if you're that pissed and miserable, and you're obviously not going to get any help, and you're not going to listen to anybody who wants to get help, rather than go kill a bunch of people, why, do, why not just do whatever it is you're going to do to yourself? You're for, you're for teenage suicide. Doesn't it be a teenager? It could be a 60-year-old man is pissed off, right? The old bread company he worked for it fired him, and he thinks that Frank, who got the promotion over him five years ago, was the leading cause of his firing, and so he wants to go inflict pain and blah, blah. No, enough. This is pain right here. I want you guys to listen to this. This is pain. So, yes, would I have rather him shot himself than his grandmother, an innocent teacher, and 19 innocent children? Yes, I would have rather him have done that. I'm a med aide. So when I arrived on the scene, they still had kids inside, and I was aiding assistance. One little girl was just just covered in blood, head to toe. Like, I thought she was injured. I asked her what was wrong, and she said she's okay. She was hysterical, saying that they shot her best friend, that they killed her best friend, and she's not breathing, and that she was trying to call the cops. And I asked the little girl the name, and she's... <laughs> and she told me, she said, Amory. That's how you learn. <laughs> she was so sweet. That's how he learned his daughter died. Her little best friend came out covered in blood. Yeah. People are angry and pissed. People are angry because they feel the police didn't do enough. I don't know if you guys are starting to hear that. 40 minutes is trending. 40 minutes. Wow, 60 minutes of struggling? They cut 20 of the minutes? No, 40 minutes. So the police were outside for 40 minutes. You're starting to see uh, video pop up where people are pissed at the police. Why aren't they going? Why aren't you going? Rush, you heard one father basically said, give me a gun, I'll go myself. Uh, you know, it, it, it's more complicated than that for some. They're trying to explain, look, we had a resource officer. He engaged with him. He got shot. He had barricaded himself in there. We got the rest of the kids out. Are there going to be mistakes? Absolutely there's going to be mistakes. 
This wasn't a situation like Parkland where there was a school resource officer and he comes running by you and you're like, is the shooter that way? He's like, no, it's behind me. I'm hiding. It's like that job, your, your job is to stop him. What if he kills me? That's still your job. Now, they don't have to. I think we've learned that from a few cases of the gun Supreme Court. Still, that's your job. Because at first, everybody's like, well, there was a resource officer, somebody, they, you know, that they talk with him and let him in. Did they not let him in? Did they know him? Did the police do enough? That's going to be, they're going to break that down. Did the police do enough? Did they do enough from top to bottom as far as once they got there? knowing full well what was going on in there, should they have made the movie immediately? I think from all the things we learned, uh, yes. This kid was not about negotiating. He wasn't trying to get a helicopter and $100,000 cash and fly me to some remote island. He wasn't looking for that. So it's fair to ask that question. And there's pictures and video out there of cops, you know, tackling parents essentially or getting on top of parents and pinning them down because they're desperate to get inside and try to save their child. The guy that eventually got to him was part of a special task force in the border patrol, which operates by the way, not just here, but several other countries, I guess. And, uh, he unleashed on it. He had our, well, he had, the the body you know suit stuff that people order but they said he didn't have any plates with it so essentially you're wearing like a flap jacket you know flat jacket with nothing in it uh but it was awful it was awful and when you hear parents hear about their children and talk about their children the sweetest little girl who did nothing wrong she listened to her mom and dad. She always brushed her teeth. She did. She was creative. She made things for us. She never got in trouble in school. Like, I just want to know what she did to be a victim. <laughs> she just tried to call the police. She tried to. She actually tried to call. Yes, I got confirmation from two of the students in her classroom that she was just trying to call the authorities. And I guess he just shot her. Yeah. So, yes, if I think uh, for a second that I would rather have that guy shoot himself than inflict the pain that he's inflicted on a, on a community, on a nation, and on parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, friends, bet your damn ass I do. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter Tweet at us, text the program. Chad, that is politically incorrect. I'm fine with that. I'm okay. My goodness. Speaking of that, Ricky Gervais is, uh, I've seen a good portion of it. It is is good. I like it. I like it. He's continuing to double down. He doesn't care, nor should he care. Your job is to make people laugh. And the trans communities after him, and they're upset. Uh, the LGBT2 plus Q... A3, LMNOP, they're pissed off at him because of the whole thing. It's it's That's his job is to make people laugh. 
and no subjects you talk about should ever be off the table. I, I think that's what comedy is for, really, to get us through stuff, and ideally in taboo subjects, because I want to take the audience to a place that hasn't been before, even for a split second. And, you know, most offence comes from when people mistake the subject of a joke with the actual target. So it starts, they go, what's he going to say? Mm. I tell the joke, phew, they laugh. You know, it's like a parachute jump. It's scary, but then you land, and it's all okay. Yeah. And I think that's what comedy is for, getting us over taboo subjects. They're yeah. not scary anymore. Yeah. It's true. And think about it. How many people out there, I don't want to ride a roller coaster. I don't like a roller coaster. Gonna, you'll find a few that, that I'm never doing that again. But man, you get on it and you're done because you, all that stuff that's running through your head. And then when you die, like, that's amazing. I want to do it again. Comedy's like that. And the taboo subjects, that's a very real thing. Now, the question is, you know, the timing. You know, the, the old saying in the comedy world, you know, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Is that true? Does Rose Kennedy own a black dress? Of course it's true. I can't believe he said that. Yes. Who's Rose Kennedy? Look it up. Very fair questions to ask. Because it can take the sting out of stuff. It can. Timing is one of the things. But yeah. And, and 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 the other thing is, is too many people, they go to a comedy show or they'll watch something and he'll say something that is, that you deem offensive or I'll say something you deem offensive. And the problem is what used to be like, oh, I didn't like what that guy said there. I, I uh, it was to me, I, that was tasteless or I just don't agree with that person. Nowadays, it's that person believes you were speaking directly at me, and because of that, I feel true offense. This wasn't about a subject. This was directed at me. And that's where we've lost the plot. So I deal with everything, you know? And um, I think we second-guess the audience too much. Uh, even in narrative stuff like Afterlife, you know? Yeah. People saying, God, the audience take this. Of course they can. Real life's much worse. These are just jokes. Yeah. They, don't, they don't mean anything. They're just a, for you to laugh for, for an hour or so. Um, so uh, that's why I deal in taboo subjects, yeah. Yeah. As you should. As you absolutely should. Some of the most honest people you will ever find in the world of media or whatever you want to call it is comics because they're willing to ask questions that people won't ask anymore from from difficult places. And that is needed more now than ever before. 323-538-2423 at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter Tweet at us, text the program. Love to hear from all of you. Rough Greens, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash chat. What is Rough Greens? Well, first and foremost, kids, it's amazing. I'm going to tell you why it's amazing. Because my dog Doodle's still alive. So Dr. Dennis Black, naturopathic doctor, uh, put together this most amazing, incredible thing that's got vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega-369, all this incredible stuff that goes in this supplement that I put on top of his food every day. I didn't change his food. In the three-plus years since we've been doing this, Doodle has gone from we're probably going to put him to sleep to he's got so much energy, he bounces around, he plays with the puppies, he's not grumpy. It's amazing. His hips don't hurt. His, it's, just, it's, a, it's transformation. I want you to try it, and so does he. In fact, he wants you to try it, and he believes in it so much, he's going to give you a bag for free. 
Go to ruffgreens.com slash Chad. You cover the cost of shipping. You're going to get it back for free. Don't change the food. Just try Rough Greens. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. Chad Benson Show. Me too. Hashtag immigration reforms. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. We're just talking about uh, the music industry because uh, Justin Timberlake, at the whopping age of 41, has sold his catalog. It's a very thing to do right now. You see a lot of these, you know, people selling their life's work and they're getting a massive amount of money for it. Uh, and that is interesting. Right. Like, I mean, that it's, uh, you know, I mean, he's getting 100 million. But I was saying, you know, how many guys because who gets it? So, well, you're the writer. You own the rights to it. But you wrote this guy wrote some of that. That gal wrote some of that. So they also own a bit of it. So, you know, 100 million might break out to be 45 million for him and 55 million spread out a bunch of other people. And there's lawyer fees and stuff like that. But uh, it's very interesting the way that that's going down. And I think you're going to see that more and more. Now, normally, it's artists that are on not just the tail end. At this point in time, they're not making new music, and they're sitting pretty, and now they want to take their life's work and say, all right, who's going to give me what? Because they know after they're gone that they're going to – they'd rather enjoy the music now and the royalties that come from it in a lump sum up front than – you know, passed on to their family members who will, you know, enjoy that revenue or whatever. So it's very interesting. Speaking of music, I find this to be rather interesting as well. Now, I'm not a big musical guy. If you guys are aware of that, (laughs) not really the musical thing. Don't do, I don't do much musical stuff. But I'm interested in the Elvis movie, and it debuted in Cannes. Elvis has entered the building. Biopic about the King of Rock took over the Cannes Film Festival Wednesday evening. Stars Austin Butler and Tom Hanks hitting the red carpet, along with director Baz Luhrmann and Elvis's ex-wife Priscilla. I can't move, I can't sing. Variety says the film scored a 12-minute standing ovation when it was over, and it opens in the U.S. June 24th. Now, if you've not seen it, the trailers it's it's not like it's got a bit a hint of like a romeo and juliet back with dicaprio and claire danes where it's it's set back in that day though right you know so it's elvis's time you know running from the time when he first started just before that all the way up and his relationship with the colonel and you know tom hanks you would barely recognize him and he's got this weird dutch accent uh because colonel was dutch and but it's got modern music in a lot of ways so it's got like a modern soundtrack with a lot of other it, it's it's very interesting and the look is it looks awesome. I never got the uh, gave me a they gave him a 12 minute standing ovation. Who does that? Who stands who's got time for 12 minutes of clapping? <laughs> I couldn't even I'd be like what? Yeah, we're going to be here for 12 minutes. Doing what? Clapping. No, we're not. We're not. We're not clapping. That's silly. That is absolutely ridiculous. Ah, oh, people. My goodness. Traveling this weekend, many of you will be doing the same thing. 
Uh, the debate for our family is, do we leave later tonight, drive a good portion of the way to where we're going, wake up early, early tomorrow, and then zoom out? Or do we just rest and just get up and just take our chances and kind of meander out there? I, I'm, I'm probably going to do the second, but it's still going to be crazy. The rush begins today, especially here at Hartfield Jackson, the busiest airport in the world right now. More than 12 million people are expected to fly between today and Memorial Day Monday. Delta alone is seeing 25% more travelers than this time last year. Yeah. Of course, we're in the midst of the pandemic and, and stuff, but people are ready to go. I mean, they're, they are. And, and gas prices aren't going to slow people down. Now, 4th of July, the rest of the summer, maybe a different story. But this Memorial Day, people going to be doing their thing. 323-538-2423. At Chad Buzzard Show is your Twitter. Chad Buzzard Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson you know watching people argue over what to do how do we fix this how do we do this i mean the last couple days i mean you hear it and it's horrific and we need a fix but are we asking the right questions are we asking the right questions to the right people those are those are some of the things we need to start thinking about. Many Americans now saying enough is enough. When are we going to do something? Tonight, outrage, heartbreak and disgust. Reactions pouring in from across the nation about the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr with an emotional plea. I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the moments of silence. Enough. Guns shouldn't be as easily accessible. Like it's easier to get a gun than baby formula right now. And outside the sports world, actor Matthew McConaughey sharing this tragedy hits home, having grown up in Uvalde and saying action must be taken. Many more celebrities taking to social media to express their frustration and sadness. Selena Gomez, a Texas native, tweeting, If children aren't safe at school, where are they safe? With a searing indictment from Amanda Gorman tweeting, To watch monsters kill children again and again and do nothing isn't just insanity, it's inhumanity. So what do you do, right? Everybody's got, oh, we all agree. There's a starting point. We all agree this is awful. So what do we do? Well, we're going to leave it up to the powers to be to come up with the answers. No, 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 no. We've tried that. It doesn't work. One group wants to, you know, they want to start out over here. It's like, we just want to get rid of this one thing. And then the other one goes, no, you're not going to get rid of anything. 
And then it just stops there. That's where the conversation ends. No. You guys don't get to have the conversation anymore. The rest of us. By the way, in both groups, you have people who look at the group that they're in and don't agree with a lot of the stuff that they're doing. But it's understandable while they stay on their quote-unquote sides because they don't trust the other side because they know the other side will reach further than they say they're going to now. That's what happens. Because extremists, in many ways, continue to run things and continue to have a voice at a table that they shouldn't have a voice at. We're not banning guns. We're not getting rid of guns. It's not going to happen, right? This is Michael Moore. We need some really drastic action here. Um, we need a moratorium, perhaps, on gun sales. Who will say on this network or any other network in the next few days, it's time to repeal the Second Amendment? Hmm. Oh, you can't say that. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah, there's a lot of things you can say. There are people out there all the time that want to, oh, we should get rid of the First Amendment. We should really change a lot of these things. It's, 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 that's not happening. We're not getting rid of the Second Amendment. First of all, it's just <laughs> try taking guns away from people. Do you think that's going to happen? No. What, one of the big reasons they wrote the Second Amendment, yes, the Weld-Hilled Militia. Well, we've got an army now. Yeah, the Weld-Hilled Militia, a lot of that was more about... Yeah, we should protect all the bad things that may try to come and attack us from other places if there's countries that do that. Uh, we should also worry about the people here in the country who run it that may want to turn around and say, you know what, I'd rather uh, uh, I'd rather control you than anything else. So this is not happening. But we can have an honest question about, okay, where do we start? Mental illness is obviously a big problem. 28 of the last 35 shooters had some form of mental illness schizophrenia personality disorders uh bipolar they were on medication they were off medication they that's very telling so is that a societal problem because you see switzerland for those of you guys don't know switzerland pretty much outside of us and i think yemen has the most guns per capita. Why? Well, they don't have an army. They have a very small military because they're very neutral. They're like, eh. We like watches, chocolates, and banking. They're not into war. But everybody's got to do military training, and everybody has a gun because it's their duty. Because if they were attacked, they want everybody to be healed. If you a well-healed militia. So if they were attacked, that they would be able to fight if need be. Think about them. They're surrounded. They have virtually no murders. In fact, you go and look. There's very little gun violence. You walk through the town. You, you, you see nothing like this. Why is it? Do they have young people? Yeah. What's wrong with their young people? I don't know. I don't know.
See, with freedoms comes responsibility, and we all too often piss away that responsibility. person who perpetrated this the other day, this evil SOB, he did it. He did it. Why did he do it? Well, was he mentally? Was he bullied? He was just, there's, there's more to it than just that. A lot of people in life get bullied. Nowadays, everybody perceives everything to be bullying. I was growing up. There were bullies everywhere. It's different. I will get, grant you that because of the social media world. One thing that's not being asked is, where the hell is this guy's father? Just out of curiosity. Where, where, where's his father? Can we not have a conversation about that? There's a lot of conversations that need to be had. You can live a perfect life, have the perfect, you know, everything. And your kid could still turn out to be a monster. And there are people out there that have lived a horrific life without parents, without any role models, and they've come out at the other side out of determination and hard work and for whatever reason being able to compartmentalize certain things and they're fine and they strive but if you look at the numbers it doesn't always work out that way very very few times does it work out that way where's the dad where is he i'm just curious about that Again, let's start asking real questions. The breakdown of society, no fathers in homes, people have no respect from each other, dehumanizing each other by being able to reach out and, and attack each other on the interwebs all day long, the shock factor that everybody's always trying to go for. I mean, you can start checking boxes, but a lot of it gets back to we've got mental health problems in this country. Other countries with lots of guns, they don't have this phenomenon like we do. They may have one-offs, don't get me wrong. You can go back and look at several countries that have had one-off situations, right? Whether it's Scotland, was it Norway with that killer at the camp? I mean, you've had several of of one-offs, but it's not like it is here. And a lot of it goes back to the mental health problems. What are we doing to kids? How are we failing the kids? How are we failing society? Two 18-year-olds in the last two weeks have killed 20, 31 people. 31 people. What the hell was wrong with them? That they thought, hey, I'm going to go kill a bunch of people at a school or at a supermarket. Oh, his white supremacy of one of the kids. Go read all of his manifestos, his 25 of them. His hatred of everything. He was all over the place. He also talked about the fact that he was struggling mentally. Still, there are a lot of people out there that have bigoted views, but they don't go around gunning down people. There are issues. Are we going to ask the right questions? Are we going to drill down on the things that need to be? And are we going to take out the one big factor in a lot of this, which is the politicians, and start to try to figure out how we solve problems and we come together and do some things because we know they're not going to do it. And banning stuff is not the answer. 
and then going and saying, well, we got to have everything wide open. You should be able to own anything you want to. That's not the answer either because personal responsibility is important. And we need to all understand in the world that we live in, there's a lot of idiots out there. And everybody agrees idiots shouldn't own firearms, probably shouldn't even own a pet. And there's a lot of disturbed people out there. And if I'm the NRA, I'm trying to find solutions to this. I'm trying to work across the way. And rather than being the everybody in the media hates me, try to be solutions-based. Will they? Probably not. Will they double, triple down? Probably. And they've got a big convention this weekend. About 55,000 members going to converge on Houston. What do you think that's going to look like? Because there's going to be a lot of people out there picketing against. And rather than that, why don't you guys sit down and go, okay, how do we start solving some of these things? How do we become a force for good and solutions-based rather than two groups fighting? Everybody wants the same thing. Whenever freedoms, whenever liberties, we want safety. I see a problem with that. How do we get there? 323-538-2423, at Chad Benson Show, is your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Love hearing from uh, all of you. Omaha Steaks. Uh, you know what Dad wants this Father's Day? The same thing I want. Steaks. I got my steaks. I got my uh, Dad's Want Steaks package from Omaha Steaks, and it was D to the licious. So we ate the last of the burgers last night. <laughs> it was so delicious. We have a few hot dogs left. We've got a couple uh, fillets that we're going to have on Memorial Day. Save those. Uh, and air-chilled boneless chicken breast. You're hearing 16 mouth-watering. Amazing, incredible. Incredible entrees, including the delicious caramel apple tartlets. Ooh. Do this for Dad. Imagine him getting this. Things are going up, up in price. This is $99. You got 100% money-back guarantee. Totally unconditional. But imagine him getting this and you getting there and you guys having a laugh and barbecuing together, spending time making memories. It's incredible. Dad's Want Steak Package right now. Go to omasteaks.com. Top of ordering these amazing mouth-watering, incredible things like the bacon wrap fillets and the jumbo franks and all the other stuff. You're going to get eight free, giant, better, bigger, awesomer burgers for absolutely free. That's right. How do you get it? Go to omasteaks.com. Type right in the search bar up there, Benson, and you'll save big. omasteaks.com. Type in keyword Benson to get the Dad's Want Steak package for $99. omasteaks.com. Type in Benson in the search bar to save. Get Dad the steaks he wants. omasteaks.com. Keyword Benson. Jeff Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show, where independent a la carte thinkers have a seat at the table and a voice in the dialogue. I'll have what she's having. This is Chad Benson. What do we need? We need truth. We need answers. We need to have conversations. Joining us at the bottom of the hour is a really cool author, Alex Epstein. Uh, Fossil Fuels Futures is the name of his new book, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. And that is true. And he 
he pokes holes in a lot of stuff out there uh, because so many people make judgments on stuff, never reading a bill, never understanding anything. And so I, everybody gets themselves and, you know, oh, you take this or that and the other. It's the reality of it. You know, it's like when you ask people, what's the solution to something? Uh, very rarely does anybody have any uh, meaningful. I continue to tell you, we, we, the groups and the powers that be, whether it's guns or whether it's climate, whatever, you get together and you start talking to yourselves on how do we get from point A to point B, knowing you're not going to get everything you want. Pointing out the realities. Here's the reality when it comes to mass shootings. Right? School shootings. Did the math from last year up until, not last year, 10 years ago. They did a full thing, a decade of it. Like a decade of, of all of this stuff. It was 327 people that were killed in school shootings. There was almost three times, more than three times that died from peanut allergies. So it's awful. It's horrible. It's a conversation that needs to be had, as we should have. But sometimes we need to take a step back, put stuff into perspective, and then say, okay, if we're going to find a solution, what is that solution? How do we get there? Not virtue signal, not stand strong because you think it's, no, but how do we get there? Reasonable people do that. People who are successful figure out a way. Other people, well, they're like this person. And like, you know, and also like climate crisis, it's here. And like, if you don't change our habits right now, like the first world countries will have to wage wars for survival anyways. In just 20, 30 years, years, the, the scientists have been warning us. What have they been warning us of? Uh, that like we will, that the world is coming like to shit. How? Because of the climate change. What is the climate change? Well, it's wreaking havoc to the environment. How like, so? Well, um, where are you from? I'm an independent journalist from America, so I'd love huh. to hear your perspective okay. on climate change and how it's going to kill all of us. Oops. Uh, well, um, okay. No, they don't have any. It just feels like the right thing to do. Right? We're all pissed and angry about what took place the other day, and everybody's first reaction is, let's just take this or that. feels like the right thing because we're angry and we're pissed. That doesn't get anything done. It's not about being reactionary. It's about being forward-thinking. You're not going to prevent everything. Can we change some things? Can we do that? I think we can. But you've got to want to find a solution until we put better people in power we're not going to get there 323-538-2423 at chad benson shows your twitter chad benson show the chad benson show Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. Everybody's talking about gas, oil. Some people are saying oh, this is the perfect time for us to go completely green. All the while, starving as we do it. 
Joining us now, Alex Epstein uh, has got a great book out, Fossil Future, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. Alex, thanks for uh, joining the program. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, your book is fascinating. Uh, I've always said, uh, look, uh, I always hear people freak out about, you know, oh, the world's going to come to an end. It's got five days, ten days, whatever, it, the baloney that we hear from people. But your book points out, like, you use data and facts. I know it's crazy, Alex, but why would you do that? Because it's not about selling data and facts. That You know that. Well, it's interesting. You know, sometimes people use data and facts but it's very misleading. So they'll say something like, oh my gosh, the earth is one degree warmer than it was 150 years ago, and that's terrible. And yet, why is that necessarily terrible, um, one? And then what about the fact that we're living far longer, healthier lives? And what about the fact that we're actually safer from climate than ever? That's, a, that's an empirical fact. We're actually 50 times less likely to die from a climate-related disaster than we were 100 years ago, but people don't know that because the institutions we trust don't at all give us the full context. They give us a very distorted context of facts to put forward a certain narrative. You know, the, the, the green movement, we all want cleaner water, cleaner air. I mean, if anybody doesn't want cleaner water and cleaner air, my God, what's wrong with you people? But the reality is, is, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I'm 51 years old. God, God. When I was a kid growing up, Alex, yeah, there was the Great Ice Age was coming. And people, uh, a little bit warmer is not bad. Uh, more, The cold kills more people than the heat does. People don't understand that. Yeah, one of the, the points I make, uh, so my background is philosophy, and I'm really interested in environmental philosophy, and particularly pro-human versus anti-human environmental philosophy. I think that the root of the green movement is an anti-human environmental philosophy that says that all of our impact is morally bad and it's inevitably self-destructive. And I think that's why you have this assumption that if we have any impact on climate, it's going to be disaster. So first they think it's going to get really cold and that's bad. And then it's going to get warmer and that's bad. So the idea is no matter what we do, if we do it, it's bad, whatever direction it is. Yeah, it is uh, so true. Fossil Future uh, is uh, written by Alex Epstein. He joins it. So why global human flourishing requires more coal, uh, oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. And, you know, you talk about it, and, and it's very interesting as I was reading it and, and going through, uh, making some of the notes, like solar, right? This this dream of solar, but it, it's it's a dream. And how we produce it, how we make it, all of these things, people, you talk about the moral side of it which i think is true because i think a lot of people want to drive around in their their zero emission cars not realizing that it costs a lot of emissions to get the damn car to build yeah i think it's really uh we can call it a dream but it's really a farce in terms of what it's what's being advocated because what's being advocated is we can rapidly replace fossil fuels in the next 27 and a half years by 2050 despite the fact that they're 80 percent of the world's energy energy is crucial and the world desperately needs more energy, as evidenced by the fact that 3 billion people are using less electricity than a typical refrigerator of ours. So just and then and then you think somehow the 3 percent is going to replace the 80 percent, not just for everyone today, but for many more people uh, tomorrow. It's just totally implausible. And then you look, solar is actually a parasite on reliable sources of energy like fossil fuels because it's fundamentally unreliable. And, and what you also see is solar involves huge amounts of mining and development that the green movement is against and oppose in practice. That's why I call it a farce, 
if not a serious enthusiasm for new energy technology, then you'd advocate a free market. It's just an excuse to get rid of fossil fuels, uh, which is an excuse for sort of having a broader hostility toward all human impact on the planet. Talking to uh, Alex Epstein's books, amazing, called Fossil Future, Why Global Human, uh, Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. It's also very political, and we see that. And, uh, you know, we've got the horrific shooting that took place in Texas the other day. Uh, the chance for politics to get involved jumps straight in. And and let's be real, you, you know, like you said, you study the whole thing about the philosophy of, of the green energy and climate change. And there is, uh, you know, there's keywords that people use. There's certain phrases in ways that people go about saying things about climate. You know, it was global warming when I was younger. Now it's climate change because climate can go both ways. And politics has gotten involved in this in a major way. And there's money around. Yeah, there's it's, it's kind of sad how when things happen, people just always use them to reinforce their existing understanding. And I think we should really try to avoid doing that. I think one, one example that fossil futures should elucidate for people is where we have an energy crisis, which you mentioned that at the outset with at least rising uh, gasoline prices, but you know, it's much worse in Europe, you know, skyrocketing, skyrocketing coal and natural gas prices around the world, food shortages uh, people are talking about. And we really need to ask what is causing this and I think it's very, very clearly true that we artificially restricted the supply of fossil fuels because there's no physical limitation. We have tons of the stuff in the earth. There's no knowledge limitation. We're really, really good at extracting it and using it and transporting it. But there's been this movement for the last 15 years, at least, that said no investment, no production, no transportation. Let's stop that as much as possible. And so now we can't keep up with demand. This is totally a crisis that was preventable. John Kerry was just at the World Economic Forum saying there is a man-made crisis. He thinks it's a climate crisis. There's no climate crisis. There's an energy crisis made by men like him. Yeah, which is, it is fascinating, right? Like the, the, I watch people like him, and everything is about this. They, they've, you know, whether it's Al Gore or him or Greta Thunberg, and people run out, and you talk about that moral side of it. And I want to get a little deeper into that because is it, it we want to feel good like we're doing something because when you go and look at all of the polls, Alex, a lot of people will say, oh, I want the climate to be cleaner. I want this, that, and the other. But the reality is, is there are so many people who say that. It's virtue signaling. They're not doing anything to better the climate. They just morally want to feel like they're doing something. I think the root problem is that we just have the wrong conception of morality when it comes to our relationship with our environment. Uh, we have this idea that our goal should be to eliminate our impact on Earth. And that's that, the view that impact is bad and self-destructive, that's, that's wrong on both counts. Impacting Earth is a necessity of human survival and what I call human flourishing, human beings living to their highest potential. So we should embrace human impact. It's great for us to impact the world. We just want to do so in, a, in, a, in an intelligent way where the benefits far outweigh the negative side effects. And I think what happens in practice is people say, yeah, I don't want to impact the climate, but they actually want to live and be happy, which they should. So they end up using fossil fuels because fossil fuels don't have a near-term replacement and fossil fuels are crucial because they power all the machines that improve our lives. So I think the key is, is switch our whole morality around our relationship with our environment. Yeah, yeah. Talking to Alex Epstein, Fossil future, why global human flourishing requires more oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. Uh, what about nuclear? 
You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of nuclear because I look around, I'm like, that's pretty damn clean, and I think we know how to do it better than Three Mile Island now. But everybody has got it in their mind because I always think it's about first mover advantage. If you can get enough people to believe how evil something is by telling them, knowing they're not going to look up anything and chase it down, you can get them to bite on something rather easily. I think nuclear is an amazing technology. I think I give a lot of the key facts everyone needs to know in Fossil Future. Because Fossil Future is all about making the world a better place for human beings through more energy use. And fossil fuels just happen to be the most important way to do that in the you know not, not too distant future, in the next several decades. But nuclear has amazing potential. It's a naturally stored source of energy. It's like a natural battery. It's naturally concentrated. It's naturally abundant. We were able to harness it at low cost reliably in the 70s. And then the green movement, once again, is the villain. They basically criminalized it to the point where you cannot build it cheaply today in the United States. And often you, ha- you can have a 16-year project that gets canceled on a bureaucrat's whim or an activist's activism. So we need fundamental reform. I talk about this in Chapter 10. I give what's called like an energy freedom uh, platform. And part of it is here's how you decriminalize nuclear. And there's a lot of pseudoscience that the government is practicing that needs to be uh, gotten rid of. Talk about uh, protecting the freedom to compete. That's one of the things that, that you know, because I'm all about competition. And like you said, I think we're, we're all here on Earth. We're all sharing it. Let's make everything better. Let's make everything cheaper. Let's compete. We've got these, you know, we've got all these brilliant minds out there that can come up with amazing things that, quote unquote, don't have to uh, destroy the Earth. Uh, and competition is a huge deal and you've got monopolies already and they play with the federal government government plays with them it's frustrating yeah, right now we have a real suppression of competition in many many ways i mean one is just suppressing fossil fuels i mentioned the criminalization of nuclear and then with solar and wind we have a really tragic and, and sort of urgent to change uh, imposition or um, rather uh, impeding of the freedom of competition, which is that we totally prefer unreliable sources of energy, namely solar and wind, over reliable sources of energy, specifically reliable sources of electricity. So you look at, uh, we give subsidies to solar and wind, and we, we mandate them in many places. And the thing people are least aware of is just the basic policy of grids today is you pay the same for unreliable electricity for solar and wind as you do for reliable electricity. So that just creates this terrible incentive where people will buy more and more unreliable electricity and yet the broader system decays. And that's why we're having regulators talk about widespread blackouts around the US this summer because we're totally unprepared because we've been giving all of these ridiculous incentives and preferences to unreliable electricity over reliable. So I'm all for solar and wind competing, but my basic view is they need to find a way to compete where they offer reliable electricity. So if that's with battery backup, that would be one option. It's totally impossible today. Another thing is that solar can combine with, say, natural gas plants and deliver, you know, be a black box that delivers reliable electricity. But allowing these guys to sell unreliable electricity with no payment and, in fact, subsidizing it is a disaster that we're already starting to see. Yeah, and subsidies, you know, I mean, I hear it all the time. I get people tweeting at me, oh, you're for big oil and subsidies. These people are taking all this money and these subsidies. And and I look around and I'm like, do you not know that, first of all, government's all about handing out stuff. And secondly, green gets a ton of subsidies as well. And in many cases, gets straight out cash. Yeah, it, it gets it gets much more. I mean, one one thing I try to do in fossil future, I mean, I think I do do, is just cover 
every issue. There are literally hundreds of myths like this. And so part the main thing in the book is to try to think about it in a better way and try to think about it from a pro-human perspective, try to look at all the facts. Uh, and part of this is there are literally hundreds of myths that need to be refuted. And so subsidies is one of them that I cover. There's also a really useful website I created that's free called energytalkingpoints.com. And you can search for any topic. So just search subsidies and you'll see solar and wind get many times more subsidies than fossil fuels. It's just a total distortion that we're told. Last question. I appreciate you coming on. The book's awesome. Fossil Future, uh, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. Alex Epstein's joining the program. The people on the green side of the aisle, if you will, uh, what are they saying to you? Are, they, are, are some of them going, wow, I didn't know any of this stuff? Or are you getting a lot of pushback? <laughs> I'm expecting there's a lot of people out there pushing back. Some because, again, the moral side, and others because they got money involved. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Washington Post got a copy of my book a yes. month or two ago, and their response was to try to cancel me as a racist. Yeah, uh, I know. The Washington I, Post uh, can kiss it. <laughs> well, but it's, that's the kind of reaction. I think the reaction is now fear that these arguments are so persuasive to people. And there are just a lot of people who troll me. If you go to my Twitter, at Alex Epstein, you'll see like a little group of trolls, and it's probably going to grow, who's just saying, you're against science. You don't believe in, you know, you're wrong. Uh, here's, here's a refutation of you. That's just five minutes of some random person not even, who hasn't even read your book. So it's pretty pitiful, the lack of engagement. Um, I am, but it's really hard to, to argue with me because if you really look at this thing from a pro-human perspective, if you look at not just the side effects of fossil fuels, but also the benefits, fossil fuels are great. And just, I appreciate you recommending the book. And I just say to listeners, there are a whole bunch of bonuses this week if you order it. So if you just send your receipt to Fossil Future at alexepstein.com, you'll get a bunch of stuff, including a live event called How to Talk to Anyone About Climate Change, which I think people will find really useful for their many conversations about this issue. Ooh, man, I want to check that out, too. I love it. The book is we'll, amazing. We'll uh, you get it anywhere books are sold, if the Washington Post will allow that, because they think you're racist because, well, they're the Washington Post and they suck. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Appreciate that. Fossil future, why global human flourishing requires more oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. Alex Epstein, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. I look forward to talking to you again. At Chad Benson Show, Twitter, C-H-A-D-B-E-N-S-O-N. Yeah, the Washington Post tried to cancel him. I'm like, oh, let's get that guy on. <laughs> I want to hear about it. He's got it, – the book is fascinating. You guys got to check it out. If you want to talk about it, and it's got actual facts, figures, even reports from the IPCC. Oh, my God. Eden Pure. Oh, you don't want the stink in your house. You got kids, you know, that stink is real. Kids, it's a problem. It is a problem. Kids are smelly. Cats are smelly. Dogs can be smelly. My lizards can be smelly. Some of you, you smoke. Eh, you can be smelly, too. Eden Pure, air purifier, amazing. It's the Oxyleaf 2 thunderstorm. Gives it a little hint of like being in a thunderstorm, right? The air is fresh. It's beautiful. But within minutes, you will smell the difference. Incredible. Well over 150,000 units have been sold. No need to buy filters. Plug it straight into the wall and let it go. Let it go. You watch what happens. Within moments. Ah, fresh. Right now, go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3. You save $200. And you're going to get three of them. So you can put them anywhere in the house. Takes care of the entire house. 
They're incredible. Make great gifts for Father's Day. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3. Remember, no filters to buy ever. Simple, easy. Plug it in the wall and go. EdenPureDeals.com. Use code CHAD3 to save $200. Shipping is free. Chad Benson Show. Fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? <laughs> Robin! What? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it, some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is going to be the first workout for Colin Kaepernick and an NFL team since he was exiled from the NFL after kneeling to protest racial injustice. Now, he did visit the Seattle Seahawks five years ago, but there have been no visits. There have been no workouts. And at some point this week, the Raiders are planning to work out Colin Kaepernick, who's been training in Las Vegas. We'll see how that goes. That's right. Cap's back. He's going to get a chance. Could he get a chance to try out his, uh, God, how long has he been out of the NFL? It's like seven years? Ah. It's been a while. It has been a while, but he has a chance now to audition. Now, I don't know, you know, it's a long time to be away. Even if he left on his own accord, which he did, by the way, he opted out of his contract. Now, he thought he was going to get another contract, but... Even if he decided to hang it up and then come out of retirement, it's a long time to be away from the game. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Would I be surprised? Well, if there's one organization that would say, yeah, it would be the Raiders. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. It's the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show.